Good morning, everybody. A little bit chilly in this place, eh? Yes, but we're going to warm you up with the love of God this morning. How does that sound? Open up your hearts and just listen, and you will definitely be warmed. Amen. Amen. Let's give Bash a round of applause for that beautiful <laughs> stewardship challenge <laughs> message, which it needs to be. Amen. Amen. We're going to be talking about uh, um, how faith works through love this morning. So it's going to be a beautiful, uh, beautiful message. But just before we came up, I just had in my heart to speak about 1 Peter 5 or 6. And it says clearly in 1 Peter 5 or 6 that the only way you can humble yourself before God is to cast your cares upon Him. Amen? That's true humility. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got to let go. You truly just got to let go. You know, the thing is, at the core of each of us, you know, we, we have this thing about preserving ourselves, fighting for ourselves, uh, keeping ourselves strong, keeping ourselves looking strong. And the key is not that. That is the key to putting ourselves, getting ourselves into a, into a conundrum. That's a weird word, but uh, I have heard it before. Conundrum. <laughs> The key is to, to not try and strive. No matter what the pressure is coming from, no matter where the pressure is coming from, the key is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen? That's what he says. So whatever this, the, the pressure is right now, I want you to just close your eyes this morning. Just close your eyes this morning and let's just talk about, talk to that pressure this morning. Whatever it is, whether it's finances, relationship stuff, whatever it is, right now, just let it go into his hands and say, Father, I give this thing to you. I will not strive in my own strength to sort this thing out. It's all yours. I humble myself under your mighty hand right now in the name of Jesus. Just let it go. Even if it's a little insecurity that's plaguing you, maybe it's something to do with your hair, maybe you don't like your eyebrows, I don't know. Whatever it is, just let it go. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So simple. So simple. Amen. But why do we always run in the other direction, Bash? Why? <laughs> what, what did you say a couple of weeks ago? What did Didi call us, man? He told us to tell our friends. This is what, what, was it, what word was it? Fro no? Frotness. Was, was it muhu? Was it frotness? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was all of that. <laughs> But uh, have you guys been following our Faith Like Jesus series, right? I think this is actually the next episode in it, I guess. Um, but we've been talking a lot the last couple of weeks about humility, you know, and um, we've been getting a lot of good feedback about humility because I think everyone's realizing that, you know what, 
this humility thing affects us um, in areas that we have yet to identify. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, self being the center is uh, is something that that's we we work through as we are journeying with the Lord. You know what I'm saying, and we see it in in many different areas of our lives. You know, obviously the Bible teaches us uh, uh, at the sort of most base level is that it's the justificate. Oh, sorry, what is happening with my throat today? It's the justification, all right? Um, whether we choose to be justified by ourselves or we, are we going to trust that Christ justified us? Are you guys with me, all right? And, uh, and we were talking the last couple of weeks, but I think the main, the key point is that the picture of humility is are you able to receive? We've had a worldly understanding of it, you know, and we use the examples like, wow, you know, They've got so much money, but they're so down to earth, you know, and we think, you know, that's humility or whatever. And I'm not saying that's not a form of it, but we understand that the biblical picture is you're only truly humble if you can receive from God, right? And it's important because a lot of us have an earning mentality, not in terms of money, but deserving, you know, like we got to work for what we want. We got to work and we got to, even if someone gives it to us, we must prove that we're worthy of it. You know what I'm saying? And that is prideful. Amen? It is prideful. And we understand that the humble heart, the person who carries humility in their heart, is the person who is willing to receive based on Jesus. Hello? It's the person who is willing to receive based on Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 12. Thank you, Father. That is my Father. It's nice to have the mic. Tis, can you open this one, please? Teamwork makes the dream work. Thank you, sir. Cheers, mate. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. And I just felt it was important for us to take, uh, um, to bring this in as well, okay? Because, you know, like I was explaining on Wednesday, you know, whenever you talk about these, uh, these sort of principles and you're working it through, uh, it's very easy for us to go into a self-correction uh, mode. Are you with me, right? Whereas we understand the biblical principle is transformation. What does that mean? Is that the change that takes place in our heart has to be in context of God. Are you guys with me, right? I know we've spoken about this. I just wanted to, to touch on it again. So whatever you want to change in your life, you mustn't go and say, no, I'm stopping that. Right? What you need to do is you need to receive from God first regarding that. And then there will be the transformation of letting that thing go. Are you guys with me? Because at the core of it, we can't be empty in anything. We either have um, good in us or we have bad in us. Are you guys with me? So you can't just take out the bad and be empty. Right? You need to replace it. You need to put in the good so the bad flushes out. Are you with me? And Jesus uses the, 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 the example of the wheat and the tares. We know it's an illustration of, uh, I know he explains that it's the harvest and, you know, the souls and all this stuff. But it's also an illustration of the heart because it talks about the wheat and the tares, the, the good seed and the bad seed. You know, and how when you let them grow, keep planting good, keep planting good. And when they grow, you will know what's producing bad and what's producing good and you can get rid of the bad. Are you guys with me, right? So when we're talking about this humility and when we're talking about, you know, selfishness and all those things, right? We need to uh, uh, put that transformation in context of God. Are you with me? We don't walk around 
every day, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be humble, 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 right? That's not how it works, right? We also said that, you know, the easiest way to be humbled is for someone greater to show up. I use this example, um, <clears throat> Kaylin and I, where is, is Kaylin here? He was about to be exposed, eh? If you were watching online, yeah. <laughs> so years back when we were at the youth, you know, we had like a, it was like a, a, a overnight camp thing. It was a Friday night where we did the whole, it was bonfires and prize and you know, it was cool. And, um, and there was PlayStation set up and that time FIFA, we were big into FIFA, you know? So uh, friends of ours that were there, um, you know, Bubbles and you know, all of them, they were like, yeah, we're the FIFA master. Anyone knows FIFA, soccer, all right? We the FIFA masters. So Kayla and I were like, oh, jeez, these guys are good. What the heck? They're talking about how they do this, how they do that, you know? So we're like, sheesh, this is crazy. So anyway, we're like, okay, we'll play. You know, Kayla and I play a little bit. We're okay. We didn't think much of our skills, you know, whatever. The first game, was it 11-0? We beat them 11-0. <laughs> Let's just say they weren't talking for the rest of the night. And Kayla and I were like, yes, you guys are good, eh? But what happens? The easiest way to be humbled is for someone better to be present. Someone better shows up. You don't say anything anymore. All of a sudden, you don't have confidence in anything, right? And the key is this, is that, well, like Tasso mentioned, we don't compare ourselves with each other. We compare ourselves with Jesus. Are you with me? That's the key to humility. Not, not this way. It's this way. And when we look at his splendor and we look at his righteousness, we look at his glory, his love, his mercy, his loving kindness, as David put it, loving kindness. Oof, I love it. I'm loving the kindness. Anyway, <laughs> when we look at that, then we realize, wow, God, you know what? I am nothing compared to you, yet you gave me everything. Are you guys with me? Listen, if that doesn't sober you, right, you're not thinking about it enough. You're not properly conceptualizing that and thinking, wow, the most perfect being gave me everything with the only motive that he loves me. Think about that for a second. He loves you. And Jesus makes this statement here. Obviously, this is um, the extension of the do not worry passage from Matthew, except it's Luke's version. But Luke records this one and it says, do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. To give you, to give you the kingdom. Now, you, if you go back, right, to give you the kingdom, if you go back, and we touched on this on Wednesday again, even with the Israelites, everything that God told the Israelites to do was for, was for their benefit. was not to convince him to give them Canaan. Even when they were in Egypt, he told Moses, I'm taking them to this land. Hello? It's the same with Christ. You do not have to have an earning mentality with God, a deserving mentality to God. Are you with me? You see, the love of God, right, when it's experienced in your heart, it makes you whole, right? What does that mean? It frees you from the pressure of deserving. It frees you from the chains of deserving, of earning. Are you guys with me? Because someone now is coming to you with the purest motive, the absolute purest motive. He's not just acting in love. The Bible tells us that he is love. Are you with me? He is love. 
So what is the posture of a Christian then? If God is loving us and if God is freely giving and all this stuff, our posture is never fighting. Our posture is receiving. Are you guys with me? And whatever, whatever you're, you're fighting for or struggling for, it's like, yo, you know, Lord, I come against this and I come against that and I do not accept that. We're doing a lot of resisting. We're doing a lot of fighting, a lot of pushing away. And, you know, there's people fighting the enemy and there's people doing all these things. But we're instructed to receive. Don't fight sickness. Receive healing. Don't fight poverty. Receive provision. Hello? Listen to what I'm saying. Now, that's a big mind shift. And it's a difficult mind shift to make if you're not experiencing the love of God. I just want to jump in there, yeah. Gresh, because that's beautiful. You know, the guys, turn to the person next to you and say, whatever you resist <coughs> will persist. Yeah. yeah. Okay? So whatever you resist will persist. Most of the pressure, most of the, the anguish, most of the emotions, all the stuff that you're feeling from the pressure or the thing that you're resisting is taking place where? It's taking place in your soul. Mm. Right? So this is where we've got to be careful because when we decide to use our own strength to resist something, what happens is it's like us looking in a mirror at our problem. Are you with me? So the more, you, the more effort you put into something to try and resist it, the more self-conscious you become. Hello? The more self-conscious you become. This is, this is the trick the trick that the enemy loves to get us in. Come on, just push, just fight, just do, just go. And what happens is the more you push and the more you're going, the more you're trying, the more uh, effort you are exerting, the more you are conscious of how weak you actually are. And eventually you do that for long enough, what happens is you get yourself into a pit. Because now you've done it for so long and you've been trusting so long in your own strength, but at the same time realizing that you don't have much to fight with. Hello? Are you with me? Now you get yourself into anxiety and you get yourselves into panic. And what happens is now we have we've consciously lost God. We haven't lost Him in our heart, but we've lost Him in our consciousness. Because the thing has become so big, the fight has become so big, and we have become so big in the fight. But at the same time, we know that we don't have any strength. We call that having faith in your faith. <laughs> Are you with me? Having faith in your faith, not having faith in your God. So whatever you persist will, uh, oh, so, yeah, whatever you resist will persist. The key is to get into the mode of receive. Immediately. As quick as possible. The quicker you push away the, the, the pain or the pressure, the, the quicker you move into Christ consciousness. Amen? That's where we want to be. I mean, you know the song, what does that song say? It's, it says, if you just turn your eyes up upon Jesus, all the, all the worries of the world grow strangely dim. So what does that mean? It's a conscious thing. Amen? Are you with me? 
Whatever you resist will persist. But for some reason, we have this, we have this, this ego and this prideful attitude, all of us, every single one of us. I have to check myself all the time. He has to check himself. Sometimes he checks me. Sometimes I check him. Amen? That's how it goes. That's just why we are. Iron sharpens iron. Turn to a person next to you and say, Yes, my stall, my bro. Man van stall. Stall, yeah, I think. It's my Easter. Are you with me? So, that, so that's what it's all about. Because every single one of us will face a challenge, will face something in our life where we might, get, we might get tripped up and fall into that mode of fight, 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 try, 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 do, do, do. We need somebody to quickly come and grab us and rick us back into grace. Say, come back. Get out of the flesh. Get out of the flesh, brother. Sometimes we don't want to hear that because we've been putting so much effort in it. Now you're telling us to get out of it. So all this effort's worth nothing. Yes, it's worth nothing. Get out of it. <laughs> Are you with me? This is how it is. You must understand something. Your flesh and my flesh is totally pathetic. It's pathetic. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> There's nothing good in it, the scriptures tell us. Amen? There's no power in it. There's no strength in it. There's no goodness in it. Therefore, we shouldn't take a moment to entertain it, to help us in any way. Only God can help us. Amen? And we've got to be in that posture constantly. Constantly. You know, even even sin will humble you to a certain degree. Are you with me? But that's not the kind of humility that we, we depend on. Amen? Are you with me? We've got we to be in that place saying, okay, yes, I sin. Yes, I make mistakes. But it's not in anything that I can do that will make me please God. I count everything, even my, my achievements and my losses, everything, I count it all as a loss to know Christ to be in Christ, to move in Christ. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say, stop resisting. Stop resisting. In Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, sucker. (laughs) And it's, uh, you know, that thing where you were saying now is that, you know, our only help can come from God. You know, our only help can come from Him. But the part that we miss is how he feels when he's helping us. Because I found this is what trips up a lot of people, and it used to trip me up back in the day, you know? Now, how many of you here have, you, have been in a scenario in life where you've had to ask someone for help, and you're just like, damn it. <laughs> and then you ask them, and then the situation got worse is that that person helped you grudgingly. They didn't help you with joy in their heart. Anyone been in that scenario in their life? How did that make you feel? Anyone want to shout out a word? (laughs) It made you feel terrible. Made you feel unloved. Made you feel unworthy. It made you feel like you're a burden. 
it made you feel like you're questioning your existence as a human being. I'm being real with you guys, right? Now here's the thing. There you had evidence in front of you, right, of how that person felt about helping you, right? When we think about God helping us, we can't filter his reaction based on how we're feeling about ourselves. Because I know everyone here, because we're human and you know we have unrenewed parts of us in our mind. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, unrenewed parts, right? And we've thought before, it was like, oh, hey God, it's me again. Yeah. I did it again, Lord. Yeah. It's like, Lord, I know I asked you a thousand times, but this is the last time, I swear. And the next week, listen, Lord, I know I said last time was, you know. <laughs> and then eventually, eventually you get to the point, it's like, oh, does God even listen to me anymore? Uh, you know? Why? Because the difficult part is, is that he's not in front of you like a person would be if you're asking them for help. Are you with me? And immediately we think, it's like, well, that's how people react. Obviously, God's reacting like that. No. You see, it, it's a big deal. And, and I want to I like get more into this this morning because, you know, I was, I was listening to the episodes before and everything, and I was like, whoa. It's like a lot of good stuff here, you know? But I was just sensing in my heart that all of this needs to be tied together with the love God has for you. Because, yeah, go, 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 go. yeah because every, remember, every principle in the Bible, every, every uh, uh, precept that's taught, you know, everything Jesus said, even the Old Testament, everything that is our responsibility to do is for our benefit. Because God gave that instruction because he's bringing us to the harmony of his righteousness. Right? He created everything, and everything is created to operate in a certain way. So when he tells us, do it like this, he's telling us that's how you're going to have peace. That's how you're going to have harmony. Are you guys with me? But oftentimes, because we don't understand the position that he's coming from, we take it heavy. Right? I, made a, I made a statement on Wednesday, and I said, if you've got an obedience problem, you've got a faith problem. Not a submission problem or anything like that. Because you see, if you've got an obedience problem, you don't understand his nature. You don't understand that he's for your good. Are you, are you guys with me? You wanted to say? For, no, yeah. no I, I just I had a picture in my mind when you were speaking about coming to God like that constantly. And the thing is, is that you come to God, you know, last week and the week before, and we're constantly making a mistake. I, I dealt with a man once, who, well, a young boy once in the youth, who was, uh, he was caught on pornography. And he said that he would apologize exactly like that. You know, he would get stuck in it, and then he would come and he would pray, and he would say, Lord, I'm so sorry I did it last week. And then he would, I'll never do it again, Lord. I'll never do it again. And then next week, he's saying the same thing. And it would just carry on and on and on. And, and he, would, he would feel like hopeless. He would feel completely hopeless in his prayer time. And, you know, and the thing is, is the reason why he feels hopeless is, or any of us, it could, it could be anger management. It could be maybe you're not managing your anger. Maybe you're just letting loose. Maybe it's road range that keeps getting to you. But it doesn't matter what it is. But that thing that constantly disqualifies you, you take it to your prayer room and you sit there with God, and before you even open your mouth to pray, you've already disqualified your prayer in your own heart. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. 
So what we are doing at that time, and I want you to understand that, whenever we do that, okay, we're actually projecting our own judgment onto God. You see, from God to us, there's no judgment. Jesus took the full and final payment. So this is why it's so important that we take the time to convince our own heart of the Word of God, of the promises of God, on the finished work of Jesus, so that when you're sitting in your prayer room and your flesh is going to let you down, I promise you. How many of you guys know that you sin numerous times throughout the day? Can you put up your hands? Uh, Let's see. Sometimes we don't know we do. Yeah. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of permission. (laughs) (laughs) So, So the thing is, is that you can't, you can't just, you know, have a, a little encounter with the Word of God now and then, you know, or wait for that nice little piece from uh, uh, what we were watching. Uh, what's that version Bible app? Yeah. You know, it gives you a daily scripture. <laughs> yes, yeah. Or that inspirational part from Lion King, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, God is so good, you know. Oh, yes, amen. God is, no, you, you need more than that. You need to convince your own heart about how good God is. So that when you sit down in that place and you are desperate and you're feeling uh, like, you know what, I just, I'm coming here again with the same thing. How many times must I swear at the taxi driver? <laughs> Shame, poor taxis, taxi guys. How many times must I tell the neighbor to go and jump off uh, whatever? Are you? Somebody laughed there. Somebody. <laughs> Yeah, somebody's got neighbor issues. <laughs> but are you with me? But you've got to be able to sit there because let me tell you something, folks. Okay? Righteousness by faith is what you need to put in your heart. Because your own heart, I'm telling you, when you sit there before God, you will convince yourself that God is not listening to your prayer, that you are disqualified from the love of God, that you haven't done enough. It's that old picture that I say, you know, where the guy walks into the prayer room and there's a gift from God on the table. There's a beautiful, big, shiny gift on his office table. And he goes into his office to pray every day and he, and he, and he walks in and he doesn't even see the gift. But in his heart, he's looking through all the drawers for a paycheck doesn't want the gift he wants the paycheck are you with me you need to this is what the walk of faith is all about you have to persuade yourself not that you're a good person because you're not you have to persuade yourself in the depths of your heart in your heart of hearts that God is good, that Jesus' work is finished and that no matter what I, I bring with me to my prayer time I am qualified by the blood of Jesus. I am deeply and sincerely in, uh, uh, loved by God. You need that in your own heart. Are you with me? Because it's by faith. It's by faith. Everything is by faith. Faith, faith is something that you can't see. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. Amen? Mm. But you need to know that He is this good God. Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, 
He's so good. He's so good. I'm never going to disqualify myself again. Amen. And that's really what it comes down to is, is when we are there, right? How is God helping us? God always will, right? And, and people will, will tell you that no matter how they felt about themselves, they prayed anyway because they knew that's the only place the help's coming from. And then God pulls them through or something happens or they get led or, you know, whatever. They're like, wow, God's amazing. Oh, my goodness. And then a week later, you know. But the point we're making here is, you know, in the Old Testament, right? When, yeah. I just want to say something there because it's important what you're talking about now. So, so yes, the, 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 we've got to open it up because... So you feel good now because you prayed. Yeah. Okay? Now we've got to be careful. Are you feeling good because you've prayed? Or are you feeling good because you've received by faith? Huge difference. Yeah. See, we've got to be very mm. careful here. Because this is the fine line between self-righteousness and the righteousness of God. That's it. Are you with me? Yeah. Very, very important. Because you're not going to get out of that cycle until you realize that you are now resting in the righteousness of Christ and not the righteousness of self because I've actually come to the prayer position or posture. Yeah. Amen? Are you guys with me? Yeah. It's very important, guys. It's very important. At the end of the day, after you've prayed, you can only truly be set free by the forgiveness that's, be, that's taken place on the cross two, over 2,000 years ago if you believe. Not because you feel good. Yeah. I mean, how do you take forgiveness? Somebody? How do you actually take forgiveness? You have to receive it in your heart. How do you know when you walk away there that you can be completely free from that thing? Or com I'm completely free from any judgment of it or any uh, uh, um, uh, consequence of it. I'm free from it. How do you know that? I, we spoke to a Muslim guy, a, a Muslim brother of ours who came to visit us and he said, he, f he feels that he's right with God because he prays. I said, but how do you know when you walk away from your prayer that you are forgiven? He said, because I prayed. I said, no, 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 brother. That's works. Each and every one of us can do that. That's easy stuff. You see, your prayer's got to go down deep into the heart. It's got to deal with what's actually going on inside there. Are you with me? So important. Yeah. I just, I, I just no, wanted to open that up. 100%. And, and that's in Galatians 5, which we'll get to just now, right? But like I was saying with the Old Testament, right? Um, you guys remember that when, when Christ died, there was the earthquake, you know, in the darkness and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then there's a specific mention that the veil in the temple was torn, right? Now, that seemed like something arbitrary, like, okay, well, what is that for, whatever. But if you look in the Old Testament... Um, that the temple was set up in sections, right? And there was proper prescriptions for each section and you know how people need to deal with it. But the intent of the veil being torn, because you must remember God always helped Israel. Israel never lacked anything, right? 
But the intent of the veil being torn is that now they can see God's face in how he's helping them. Are you with me? Remember that principle we're talking about coming to God being, you know, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, you know? Now with the veil being torn, they can see his intention. They can see his nature in how he's helping them, right? You look back at Moses. Man, Uncle Mo, I'm telling you, that guy, Ish. Like Moses' story for me is better than Abraham's story because Moses was like the only leader trained by God. After Moses, it was, okay, Aaron, I'm training you, and then we've got the Levites and, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? But Moses sat on the mountain with God. And it's so amazing that at every turn, you go read it, every turn, Moses never had a gripe with God about anything. Do you know why? Even on the mountain, when the commandments were given, and he sat with God, and, he explained, and God explained to him, listen, this is, this is what I'm going to do with these people. This is how I'm going to bless them. Do you know what kept Moses? Even to the point where he said, Lord, if you're not going into the promised land, I ain't going. <laughs> you know? It was his nature. So even though there was the command of thou shalt not kill, Moses saw the nature in which God said it. We see thou shalt not kill and we think, oh, uh. no. Moses saw it and said, listen, you mustn't be like these these godless pagan nations, don't kill each other. Walk in love. And it always gets depicted, thou shalt not kill. That's how it always, you know, I, was, I should have told you put the reverb on there, but anyway, right? God didn't say it like that, right? The Bible, in, in different scriptures, it says that Israel saw thunder and lightning, and they, you know, they heard a ferocious voice and everything. But then in other passages it says, but Moses entered into the cloud. No drama whatsoever. You know why? Because Moses had the accurate perception of the yoke, the nature, the intention that God said everything with. In the same way that Jesus came to show us God's intention. Are you guys with me? Jesus came and said, you have heard it said, but actually, right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them, they put the heavy uh, uh, yoke on, on all the people. Follow our traditions, follow the law of Moses, all these things. And Jesus comes along and he says, it delights the Lord to give to you. Jesus, what are you saying? We've, we've been told we need to get all of this right. Otherwise, we're done. But here you coming and saying God delights in giving. Are you guys with me? Is it, you know, the, what about the self-righteousness in that? Mm. I mean, for how long did they not get it right? Yeah. Think about it. I mean, watch the Jews. Go, go through the Old Testament. I mean, Grant pulled a good, uh, a good piece up this morning. Is that they never got anything right. They never did anything right. But they were still hanging when Jesus comes and he says, it's no more demand. It's now time for, for God to supply. Okay? You're under grace. They refuse grace because they think they can get it right. But they haven't done it right from day one. Yeah. Exactly. They failed it over and over and over. This is the pride of man. And they never, they never got sick. They never went hungry. Uh, uh, not a sandal wore out. You know, the Bible's clear on all this stuff. Mm. But what was it? It was God to them. That was God's heart for them. Yeah. And people say, oh, no, but Bash, listen, you know, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about God. Don't try and make God like us, guys. We can't do that, right? Again, you look at the prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son, right? 
And this is, this is where the rubber meets the road because you guys know the story. The, the dude gets his inheritance, he goes away. He comes back. Now here's the best part of this is neither of the sons knew their father. What? Yeah, they didn't. They were both children, but neither of them knew their father. Right? Bash, how can you say that? Okay, let's look at the fraud son first. He's there with the pigs. Now, based on the pigs, he makes a judgment about his father. He says, okay, if I just go back, he'll make me a servant. It's fine. I know that he'll make me a servant, and then I'll just, at least I'll have somewhere to sleep, and I'll have something to eat. I'll work. It's fine. He gets back. That's not who his father is. Then you get the so-called good son. Now he's upset the fraud son came back and he says to him, what, what the heck? I'm doing everything right, but you're doing nothing for me. And he says, son, are you not my son? Is this not yours? Hello? Shame, the father got a raw deal. He only has two sons and neither of them know him. It's tough. They were just there for the money. No, I'm kidding. Listen, why is this important to note? Because here's the thing. And we've been touching on how Jesus has said him and the Father are one. Him and the Father. Which is why he never had an issue dealing with controversial uh, um, topics. Whatever topic they brought up, Jesus was like, well, this is what my Father is. <laughs> he didn't need to fight. He didn't need to back it, right? But when we look at being a child of God, who's a child of God here? Believers? Yes? Cool. All children of God? Don't put your hand up for this one, right? But who here knows their father? <laughs> who, the, who here knows their father? This is a question you must ask yourself. You don't have to put your hand up here. Because you know the right thing to do. Of course I know my father. No. This is in your own heart, right? Um, who knows their father? Because here's the thing, right? You can always do a paternity test. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know those shows, you are not the father. Oh, no. <laughs> um, this is what it comes down to, guys, because you could be in the house. You could be in the family. But the only way that you are going to carry the nature of your father, the only way that you're going to know your father, it's not about being in the house, is by connecting with him. That is the only way. You see these words on this page, right? These words on this page, they're going to give you a mental framework of everything. They're going to give you the laid out roadmap of what Christ has done from the beginning up until now, how we're supposed to connect, who we are, everything, it's in here, boom. But just because we know it, right, doesn't mean that we're living it. Just because we know it doesn't mean it's real to us. You know, Jim Richards uses this cool example and he says, he says this, does a marriage license give you a marriage? It tells you you're married, right? But does the marriage license give you a marriage? All the married people are like, <laughs> It's like, well, the single people, that's enough confirmation for you. There you go. Are you with me? What's the key to the marriage? Is that it's relationship, it's connection. Now, in light of all of this that we've been given here, in light of everything, James says that, not this James, James in the Bible says this, but James, you should also say this, right? Says this, says, be not just hearers of the word. It is James, eh? Mm. Yes, yeah. 
Be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Okay? Now, because for whoever just hears and does not do, he deceives himself. Right? Now, to be a doer of the word, guys, is not in the earning and deserving sense that we've thought. Yeah, it's not. Doing it, being a doer of the word is not this either. I've read this Bible from yeah. Genesis to Revelation five yeah. times. I'm that's, a doer of the word. That's awesome. Oh. You're still not a doer of the word. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's got to do with this is that we died and now we're alive and there's a new life we need to learn. But the new life that we need to learn, we don't learn it in the way that we have been living, which is what? By ourselves. You see, a lot of us here, right, we are so depraved of loving relationships from humans. I'll be honest, because humans aren't perfect. I love you, Bash. Uh, thanks, Bash. Don't feel like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> and we don't think that loving relationship is important. We don't think it's worth anything. Are you with me? But you know what? It's what God based everything on. Amen? He said having a relationship with him produces everything else that you need. What? Jesus said that. This is abundant life, that you may know him. Right? Now look at this. Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul says something, and you know, we've, we, we've, we've touched on this, but we always need to touch on this, right? Are you guys okay? Hey, you getting something this morning? Making sense? Right? Ephesians chapter 3, let's go to verse uh, um, 14. While you're looking for it, it's so important though, because <clears throat> like what he's saying, does a marriage certificate give you a marriage? Just the fact that you are uh, married to a man, does that make him a husband? Or if you're married to a woman, does that make her a wife? No, they've got to choose to want to be a husband and a wife. Amen? Mm. Just because you have given your, your heart to the Lord now and you put up your hand one day and you said, yes, I'm saved, you're a, you're a child of God, okay? But now you want to know him like a son knows a father. Are you with me? You want to know him like that intimately. The word there is to, to know is to yada with God in Hebrew. Yeah. To yada is the same as when uh, um, it gets used in the term of the most intimate form of, of uh, uh, companionship in Scripture. Like when uh, Abraham knew his wife, he yada with his wife. It means that there was so much intimacy that there was nothing missing between them. There was no gaps. There was no, there was no blockage. That was free flow, heart exchange. Mm -hmm. And that's how we want to be with God. Amen? That's how we need to be with God so that when we get ourselves into those situations, we know Him so well as not being a person who's looking at our performance but somebody who has accepted us through the performance of his son. We need to know that for ourselves, guys, so that your prayers can be powerful. Are you with me? Yeah. So that your life can be powerful. Mm. We need to know that. We need to convince our own hearts. Say, put your hand on your heart and say, it's my job it's my to job. Convince, my heart convince my heart of how good God is. How, how loved I am, how loved I am. and what Christ has truly done for me. Mm.
It's my job. Amen. Amen. So important, guys. So important. Amen. And a lot of people think, uh, you know, this love story. Ah, Bash, really, is it important? I mean, I've gone my whole life without love. Exactly. Look at where it's got you, okay? The entire gospel is based on the love of God. John 3, 16. For God so wanted you to be by yourself and figure it out that he sent Jesus. Is that what it says? Hopefully not. If your translation says that, throw it away, okay? For God so loved. For God so loved, right? This thing of love, guys, and you know what? It's, it, is the, it is one of the stumbling blocks for Christians. You know why? It's because our self-worth says we're not deserving of love. I've messed up too much in my life. I don't deserve love. Well, you don't by your standards. But by God's standards, it's unconditional. He has no other feeling towards you except that. Are you guys with me? Now, Ephesians 3.14. Oof. Is it quarter past 11? Okay, we, we, we're closing on this. Okay. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ doesn't dwell in our hearts through any other way, guys. And here we go. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may what? Have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, to what? To know, know experiential knowledge, not merely intellectual knowledge. That surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that it surpasses knowledge? Intellectual knowledge, you experience it. If you have an experience you couldn't explain, right? He's calling us to this, okay? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about in your experience. Because the Bible tells us we have the fullness of God in us. But who's experiencing that fullness? Amen? Then we know verse 20. Now unto him who was able to do immeasurably, you know, all that stuff we can talk about but people want to go to that all-powerful God all this all this and he is all those things but in our walk with him we need to understand that we're the lagging ones we're the ones who are behind he's perfect he's not gonna change guys so why must we be rooted and established in love because we're always going to be lagging behind who he is you know, some people get impatient with their relationship with God. And I'm thinking to myself, the, the, the understanding or the image that people carry in those situations is flawed. Because if God's heart is always open to us, and if God's heart is, is, is always for us, and he's, he's pouring his love and his mercy and his grace constantly in our lives through Jesus, but we're not experiencing it, where's the fault? Are you with me? You see, in understanding who God is and his love to us, we must not forget, right, that we're on a journey in this relationship. We must not forget that I can't just, boom, open my heart and then, yeah, God and I are one. Boop, yeah. 
I can see what he sees, I hear what he sees, just like Jesus. <laughs> no. Why? Because what is the quickest relationship you've ever made in your life? Anyone? It was like one week, it's like, wow, we really hit it off. This is amazing. And then everything's in, cool, cool, cool. And a month later, what happens? This person's weird. Flipping heck. Jeez. Yeah, everyone's laughing because they know, right? The intricacy, the complexity, and the depth of the model of relationship, guys, doesn't go out the window when we're just dealing with God. What goes out the window is how we see him. We don't ever have to doubt. We don't ever need to be insecure about his motive towards us. We don't need to question his value for us. We don't need to question his motive, right? But the intricacies of moving from, you know, okay, basic example. Moving from, you know, you see them on a Sunday at church, you're like, hey, how's it? Or like, what's that Christian meme? All the Christian boys, it's like, so are you guys serious? It's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we held, we held hands in the prayer circle today, brother. Listen, <laughs> we're serious, you know? <laughs> you know, you go through all those phases of relationship, you don't get to skip that with God. And it's not because of God, it's because of your heart. Because you see, the way our hearts are designed is it only opens through trust. Are you with me? It only opens through trust. So you can be like, yeah, I'm just going to rip my heart open. I'm just going to trust God with everything. It's like, no, there's a, a journey to take. How can you be impatient in your relationship with a perfect person? If anything, you should be thankful that they're patient with you. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm like, Lord, you're patient, right? Are you with me? Now, in this walk, guys, in this walk and in this relationship, unfortunately, you know, it's all centered around dealing with the negative. And Christ has redeemed us from that. And, we, and we, we're supposed to deal with the negative, right? But dealing with the negative is the smaller part of the equation. Are you with me? Experiencing him is the most important part. Through everything we've been given in here, right? So when you're experiencing God and when you're in that place where, okay, Lord... I don't know what I'm doing here, but this is what I know. Your word tells me that this is who you are, this is what Jesus has done, and this is who I am now. So based on that, I'm trusting your word, and right now, I am opening my heart to you. Yeah, Bash, I tried it twice. <laughs> are you with me? Because here's the thing, if you only tried it twice and stopped, you don't believe. Because you need, to be, you need to understand that it is me now climatizing to him. It's me opening my heart to him. Opening my heart to him. I can tell you now, man. I, <laughs> when, when I started this, this journey with God, right? There wasn't like supernatural experiences and you know, all no, nothing. The only thing I had was peace in my heart from the gospel. I know who God is. I know what Christ has done. I know who I am. Okay, cool. But people go in with an expectation of visions and duh, and you know all this sort of stuff, right? Miracles. Do you and Trish globe trot every week? Yeah. Do you, oh, wow, you just killed my whole vibe. Uh, we watch the touring channel. What oh, nice, nice. Travel, travel. I like travel it. Channel. You know, I mean, every time you go out, is is it like roses and chocolates and you know? Candlelit dinners and you know all these extravagant. Are, are you like proposing every single time you see her? Are you? Shut up! You exposing <laughs> me, yeah, bud. 
<laughs> God, I know you're not the most romantic guy, you know, but. <laughs> but can you see, can you see, guys, the expectations we carry unknowingly? Why? Because we know God's perfect. But here's the thing. Relationship like that is selfish. People say, oh, no, but, but you should be doing that. Says who? Who says I should, you should be asking me? We should St. Valentine said so. Oh, yeah, St. Valentine. You know? I love this year. It was like, I can buy myself flowers. Yeah, go. <laughs> Write your own name in the sand, everything. Go. <laughs> yeah, we diver anyway, anyway, we're digressing. We're digressing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Is that God has become a mechanism, not a person. And he's become a mechanism that serves ourselves. Can you interact with God with a pure motive? Can you pray with a pure motive? Can you worship with a pure motive? Can you go to him for him? Because that's what faith produces. You see, the sacrifice of Christ and having faith in it, it came to purify your motive. Because we saw in the Old Testament, everyone came to God for what he could do. Not for who he was. God himself said, he said, they worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Faith in, in her? Gold diggers. Gold diggers, all of them. <laughs> no, stop it. I'm not going to sing that song. <laughs> Faith in the work of Christ must purify our motives. Listen to what I'm saying, guys. Because you know why? Now we know judgment is not ours. We are righteous. We are in Christ. Now we know we lack nothing. God has given us everything. So if we can't earn anything and we can't escape anything, why are we going to him? Now, the next part that people struggle with, and we're breaking down a few mechanics here, and you know, um, I don't want you guys to, we're closing now, I don't want you guys to just go and listen, 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 listen. Conceptualize this. Test it in your own heart. Work it through and walk it out, right? Now let's say you get born again at 25 years old. Now, as a 25-year-old, you're used to dealing with people in the capacity of a 25-year-old, right? Hello? Yes. Uh, parents, any parents here? Yes, wave at me. Parents, you've had babies? Okay, cool. Now, let's say you've had babies at 25. Now, at 25, when you deal with another adult, it's not a difficult thing, right? But when you deal with a baby, your Kirk rolled his eyes. That's tough. That's tough. He's like, sure, dude. It's different, right? How do you think the baby feels? The baby's still trying to make sense of life. I got hands, bud. What is this? Ah, ah, and then cry for 30 years. This is how I used to deal with him. Shut up. <laughs> it shows. I've gotten in a fight with Jaden before. She's tough. It shows. <laughs> So 25, all you know is if they cry, smack them. <laughs> That's all I was told. <laughs> Open out a syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drug your babies. Anyway, <laughs> the point I'm making is, guys, is that if you get saved at 25, you're starting as a baby. There is an entire life that's so new to you. You have to change the way you think about God. You have to change the way you think about yourself. You have to change the way you understand the Bible. You have to change the way you, 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 you move from earning and deserving to receiving. 
you know, all these kind of things. But we read the word as final, and it is. But it's through relationship that we experience all of it. Are you guys with me? So with pure motive, let's be diligent, man. Let, let's be diligent and let's commit ourselves to walking with God. Do you really need to binge series every day? Was your, your time at work so hectic that the one who loves you unconditionally doesn't get one ounce of your day? He's not saying you're obligated, but in your own heart, test it. You just be like, oh, Lord, I'm just going through this thing. You don't go, carry on. I'll it's be like, there. <laughs> it's like people come to me and they're like, Pastor I can't hear God's voice right now in this thing. Then I'll say to them, name me five actors from Sierra Leone. <laughs> and they can name them. Like, <laughs> cool. It's like, well, how come you know that, but you don't know how to hear God's voice? Exactly. Hello? And, and more importantly, in the context <laughs> of this, this diagram that we've created this morning, this, this understanding, how much more then should we devote ourselves in diligence to building our relationship with God? See, Jesus finished it. But is it finished in your heart? Grace is being given to you, but are you receiving it? Are you experiencing it? What good is it if you know about all the potential in here, yet every day you're just overwhelmed with a consciousness that you have to test? I know all this, but I mean, is it real? I don't see anything. I don't, I don't know, you know, all that stuff. Are you guys with me? Please, guys. You know, there, there's no shortcuts here. You have to go through this process. But not to earn or deserve anything. It's the new covenant life. This is where the rubber meets the road. And people tell us, hey, pastor, you know, once this, will be, or once this is over, then I'm going to pursue God. Once I just get through this thing. Lies, man. Do you want to pursue God because the negative emotions are there? When there's positive emotions, who wants to pursue God? And it's because we framed God as our mechanic, not our father. See, if you, if you dedicate yourself, guys, you, you dedicate your life to this, and you give God the time that he is worthy of every day, I promise you, six months, one year, you won't even recognize who you are and you won't even recognize your life. Because it will be so effortless because you will be effortlessly producing his nature. Are you with me? Sure. Give yourself that chance. Give him that chance in your life. Six months, you'll be a better father, a better husband, a better worker. Man. Everything, you, you'll manage your finances better, you'll be healthier, every, and you won't even try. It'll just be in line with his nature, with his wisdom, with his word. Amen. 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 Let's give God a big round of applause. Come on. Beautiful. So some folks are, that analogy you gave was so nice. Some folks are holding hands with God right now. Some folks are still on the phone call section of the relationship. Some, some, <laughs> some folks are across the way. Yeah. <laughs> some, are, some are like this with God now, you know. And some are being very intimate with God. And the key thing is, is that no matter how intimate you get, don't look at somebody else's. You know, don't worry about them. They might be on the phone call thing. You don't judge them. You just encourage them. Amen? You just encourage them. It's got nothing to do with you. And if you are truly being intimate with God, you're not going to notice anyone else's lack anyway. Amen? So, um, 
Let's just remember that. So God is so good. He is so amazing. How many of you guys received something this morning? Awesome. Give him a round of applause. Come on. You see, this is what church is supposed to be about, guys. It's supposed to be about God's ability, not ours. Amen? And we just trust God to package this word for you every Sunday in a way that you can, you can receive it into your heart and walk out here not being self-conscious. We know. I've been there. I've been in religion, and religion made me self-conscious. And guess what? I tried to do everything in my own strength, and everything just went worse. But we know, that we know the trick now. This is the trick. We tell you how good God is. <laughs> and we show you how good His nature is. And we show you all His promises. And that's how we encourage you to fall in love with the one that can heal you and make you whole. Amen? So have an amazing week because you have a Father who's deeply in love with you. And He wants to bless you. He's just waiting for you to open your heart and receive. Amen? One more big round of applause for Jesus. Come on. If there's anyone in the room here this morning and, and you don't know, you haven't even started texting God yet. You haven't even picked up the phone yet. You've just heard about this, this lovely person and uh, you want to get to know him and you've never made a commitment to him. Just put up your hand right now or come and see us after the service. We wanna, we'll spend some time with you and we'll just talk about um, this whole process and how it works and how it is to get into a relationship based on faith. So if there's anyone in the room right now, just pop up your hand or just come after the service. Amen? God is good. Do you want to close in prayer for us, Bash? Let's do it. Have I not spoken enough? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, we, we count it as such a privilege that we can call you Father. There's so many people out there who are orphans, but you brought us into your home, Lord. You opened your heart to us. You gave us everything, Lord. We want to say thank you for that invitation. We want to say thank you that we never have to doubt your intention for us. Thank you for your amazing love, Lord. And I pray that every person that heard this this morning, I pray, Lord, that they take the step. I pray, Lord, that they take the step to receive your love to experience it, Father, and to, to walk with you closer and closer every day that passes, Father. So that in time to come, they can look back and say, you know, walking with Jesus is the best decision I ever made. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We don't know where we would be without you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.